So Harvest on Mission, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We've been walking through our vision statement in the first half of the statement in particular, which says we want to see all people walking together with God, bearing fruit for his kingdom. That's what we want to see happening within our uh, intentional communities and intentional relationships, uh, that kind of togetherness. And this passage speaks to a really important issue. And again, we're trying to answer this question in this first half. How do we walk together with God? What does that look like together? And in this passage, it's this. Strive for oneness in your church. Unity, oneness, it's not just a passive thing. It's not just something that, you know, is like a lack of conflict or open warfare, if you will. I mean, it's something that, no, there is a oneness and a unity that's very unique to all the relationships and community that we'll have outside of the church. Let's walk through this text. Ephesians chapter 4. I, Paul, therefore a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and here's the thing he's calling them to, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Look at all the oneness, the one, 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 one you see there. What does it communicate to the world if Christians are not one? If we are not unified, if, if, if we as a local community of people are not unified together, what does that say about the unity of God or the unity of the faith, the unity of the baptism, all these things? That's why at the heart of it, oneness and unity is so fundamental. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. How do I strive for oneness in the church? How do I do that? Number one, I think we need to value it. Value it like the Apostle Paul values it. You know, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. He's writing this from a prison cell, but he's reminding them just before he calls them to unity, he's reminding them that he's in prison. In other words, guys, I'm in prison. Let me remind you because of my faith. My faith and trust in the gospel and Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior is so significant to me that I am willing to be in prison for it. He could walk out of that prison. He could have avoided it all if he hadn't been believed. If he hadn't believed, he hadn't been following it. You know, if you had a Christian who, you know, say a Christian that's in prison in China or wherever, if they were to write you a letter, say, hey, let me remind you that I'm in prison for my faith. I want to tell you something about your faith. I mean, wouldn't you listen? Paul's saying this is a big deal. So we should value it like Paul values it. And then I think it's, it, it relates to our ultimate calling. And that's why we should value it. Because he says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. There's two senses there of this calling. We're called by Jesus to meet the Father. Remember how we saw that in Matthew 11? But also there's a calling, in other words, a work that goes along with it. He invites us to join him in this bigger mission that he's a part of. Don't forget the huge narrative of the gospel of God redeeming people back to himself. It's embedded throughout scripture. Even in the promise that he first gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, God promises Abraham to bless Abraham. 
but also to bless all the nations through Abraham. God's vision is one of, of oneness and unity across cultures. God's church is meant to unify people uh, in areas where normally we're divided in. Especially think about in our culture, how divided we are culturally. Think about, you know, the different ethnic groups that there's just constant conflict simmering under the table. We're dealing with a lot of argument and, and fiery tempers related to politics and philosophy of government and all those kinds of things. These are things that people fight over. It gets very ugly over it. Can we be unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if we have differences of opinion in politics, uh, different ethnic backgrounds and experiences, Jesus' vision, God's vision that he gives to Abraham, and we see it all through scripture, is a unity in the church within this multi-ethnic people. That's, we, so we should value it. And then, and then finally, it should be valued because with eagerness. Look at verse 3. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In other words, again, not passive. This is something I should be eager for. How can I be more unified with my brothers and sisters within my intentional relationships and my intentional community within the whole church? Be eager for it. And then we need to stay humble. We talked about this a lot last week. Uh, pride destroys relationships. It destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with one another. We can't truly be unified if one of us is, you know, walking around with their chest held out, totally running over everybody around them. We've got to be humble, not to mention the fact that sometimes we're going to get accidentally hurt or maybe even sometimes intentionally hurt by one another. That's just the way relationships often work. If I'm humble, then it allows me to respond in a way that's more in line with what God would have for me and rather than just what I want. And then going along with that, he says to be gentle and gentleness. Man, what an awesome thing. If we could just be gentle with everybody that we interact with. And then he says to be patient. Again, all these things, if we value those, if we incorporate those things into, our, into our, the way that we relate to people, just how powerful is that in terms of creating real oneness and unity within the church? And he says to love one another. Love one another. So bearing with one another in love, he says. Just how powerful is that, guys? When This is, this is unconditional. It's not transactional. It's self-sacrificing kinds of love. This is, this is how we get oneness within the church. I've got to lay aside what I want in order for other people. That's love. That's what that, that is. And let's be reminded as well uh, that this was a huge theme for Jesus. Don't forget that Jesus in his final prayer from the disciples, the final recorded prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, the night before he goes to the cross. John chapter 17 is one long prayer of Jesus to the Father. And the theme throughout all that chapter is oneness and unity. And he says this starting in verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples that are right around the table with him on that last supper, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, that's you and me. 
We didn't hear it directly from Jesus. We heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody all the way back to these guys that heard it directly from Jesus. So this is a prayer for you and me. He says, that they may all be one. You know, if, if you were to have one prayer, like one final last prayer, you knew that maybe, okay, not too long from now, tomorrow, in the next hour, I'm going to pass away. I'm going to pass on to the next life. What's the one prayer request that you would have. You know, somebody to ask you, okay, what's the one thing? If you could narrow down all the prayer requests that you have, what is the one thing you're praying for right now? What would that be? And so here's Jesus saying, here's the one thing that I am praying for, for you, is that you would be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. There's a unity and a oneness that's vertical and horizontal with our brothers and sisters in the church. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. What an amazing thing that he's saying there. I know that I've hit this verse on you guys a lot of times, but just think about the power there of a unified uh, one church together. It is an apologetic to the world that is showing the world that the Father sent the Son. In other words, the identity of Jesus is revealed through our relationships, our oneness. And he says that the love of the Father is revealed to the world. Our love, our relationship with one another shows the world that the Father loves us with the same love that he has for the Son. This is powerful, powerful stuff, guys. If we want to have an impact on our neighbors, on our street, on our community and beyond and around the world, this is the key. This is what Jesus is praying for for us. Guys, and I, I want you guys in the groups to really talk about how can we be more unified? How can we be, make Jesus much more the central thing that draws us together? Not our political beliefs, not our personal opinions about education, not our ethnicities and backgrounds, but Jesus Christ and his mission and his kingdom is what should be first. That's what holds us together. That vertical relationship that leads to the horizontal relationship, a oneness. How can you be more one? And then the second thing I'd love for you guys to talk about is what are the things that create division among us? How can we fight against those? Like I said earlier, I think two giant ones are ethnic differences, cultural differences that create tensions, as well as politics. You know, D.C., uh, even Loudoun County right now is a political hotbed with a lot of, of, of fear and anger, a lot of hatred, a lot of things that are happening right now that are creating divisions in the world. Now, it is completely legit, legitimate to have strong opinions about those things. That's good. I'm not saying that's bad. 
But if that is creating division within the church, that's a problem. That's a problem. Guys, that, those issues need to be secondary to what's first and foremost, which is our relationship with God through the gospel and one another, guys. And I think each one of us has to start with humility, gentleness, bearing with one another in love, all those ideas, valuing it, eagerly seeking after it because of what God does through it for the world. This is a big deal, guys. Unity. Unity, oneness, not sameness, but oneness, like the Father and the Son with us together for His kingdom, for His glory. And I want to—I'm excited to see how God uses this passage because I'm just reignited again with passion and love for for how God's leading us in our church towards these intentional communities, and each one of us seeing how God's working through us through one another, and how that's overflowing into the people and neighborhoods and all the people that are around us. So let's dig into it together, guys, and let's let's figure out how can we strive for oneness together.